Hello and welcome to the Project Footballer podcast, where we look to discover if there's a formula to developing a footballer. Today's guest is Jamie Redknapp, former England, Liverpool, Tottenham star, and now one of the most famous football pundits in the world. Jamie, thank you for speaking to us today and allowing us to film in your lovely home. Thank you. Well, it's been about time. I've been watching all these lovely interviews with people. I'm thinking, when am I getting the shout? You know, I had to even ask you to come on. Well, come on, mate. We, Do me we a said favor. we were practicing. We were oh, building up to you, you. You already got it. Don't worry. I've been watching closely. Thinking, I thought I knew you well. Come on, mate. We're here. And I'm, thank you for asking me. Yeah. And I should also say congratulations on the birth of your newborn son, Raphael. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, to go through it all again. Uh, you know, obviously I've got a 17 year old and a 13 year old and I had to have a newborn. It's just, yeah, I'm so blessed. I'm loving every second of amazing. it. It's going to be an amazing Christmas. Brilliant. You, you still have a few more to catch up Paul Merson though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Funny, you know, because I saw Merce. We did the the event together a, a couple of months ago, I mean, with it with the young yeah. kids. And uh, and I, and I, Frida and I, were with, obviously, I think Frida was about two months at the time. So we obviously won't tell anyone. And I said to Paul, I said, what's it like, you know, to have a, to have a young, like another young you know, baby? I think Merce is 52 and I'm 40, 52, 52, I'm 48. And he went, mate, it's amazing. And I'm just, I could see he was looking at me thinking, why are you asking me this? <laughs> you know, and then, and then, and then, and, then, and when he, when I, when I knew that I was, we were having another baby, he rang me, so I knew it. I knew you <laughs> Yeah. It's another chance, Sean. Another, I want another chance to make it a footballer. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, in case some of like our international audience don't know that your father was a footballer, Premier League manager, your uncle was a footballer, your cousins with the legendary Frank Lampard. Were, were you always destined to be a footballer? I was in and around it since I was, I mean, I, I can't remember anything else, Sean, apart from having a picture or holding a football in my hand. You know, it was just yeah. all I ever knew. My dad, my granddad was a super talented footballer. There are a lot of people in the East End that say my dad, my granddad was probably the most talented out of all of us. But because of the war, he didn't have the opportunity. You know, he became, he got a prisoner of war. He never really, in those days, there were the Premier League and all the leagues that weren't around. So he yeah. played sort of football with his mates, Sunday football and, and non-league. Um, but he was an incredibly talented footballer. And, and I just remember growing up playing with him. My dad was uh, the manager of Bournemouth. So we grew up in 1973, moved down to Bournemouth. I was, that's when I was born. So as a coach, he used to just take me everywhere with him. We had the most unique relationship. We were best mates and the, and the passion was football you know so there were times when instead of going to school he'd just say look you know come training with me you know my mum my wasn't too happy but you know what it could have gone two ways though it could have gone two ways it could have you know it's worked out that football's been so kind to me but I might have ended up not being a footballer no education so <laughs> dad's been pretty lucky you know that he worked out well so at what age would you say you had a real passion for for football and how how did that come about it, when I actually if I know so I'm not, this isn't a plug for the book, but the book, I wrote a book a, a couple of years ago and, and it wasn't any, I never really wanted to write a book or, or do anything when I'm going to start having a go at people and my career, because I, I don't like, I don't want to duck and dive and meet with people. Yeah. Oh, I said something bad about you. So I wanted to do a book which, which was really an education on how I became a footballer. And it brought back so many great memories. It brought, it brought back memories of, of teachers that perhaps I didn't realize at school that really helped me, you know, but okay. I think having a dad that was involved in the game, you know, going to the training with him and we grew up, we went to the US actually to start. Dad coached over there. He coached in Phoenix and Seattle. 
So every, you know, when there were school holidays, I'd go into training and just walk into the dressing room. I was quite blase, but obviously quite a confident mm -hmm. little boy at four or five years of age. And dad would be doing team talks and I'd just be sitting there watching everything. Right. And I'd join in, you know, and I'd go and watch and it always, it always throw me a ball. Yeah, there you go. And I'd just dribble around watching the players. And because I think in football, when your dad's the coach or the manager, if they think you can play and you're a nice kid, they'll always get involved. You have a little kick around after. Yeah. So, you know, we had them, I had a bizarre you know, education really. And George Best would be staying at my house, you know, yeah. Jeff Hurst, Bobby Moore, when we lived in America. So I'd be playing football with Bobby Moore, you know, <laughs> and I'm four or five years of age and I'm, you know, I'm going, Bobby, come on, let's play football in the garden. You know, he's the World Cup winner. He's the captain of England, the greatest ambassador of the game we've ever had. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I, so yeah, I, I was very, very fortunate that I was sort of, you know, accustomed to this way of life. Yeah. And like to some, uh, they go, well, that's why you made a footballer. But, Never forget the hard work and dedication it mm. takes as well, because that that that's really what it mm. boils to boils down to. It's all right because if it was meant that because everyone's um, that's played at Premier League level that their son would go make it, would be we'd be inundated. There'd be a hundred players playing in the league that have all their managers uh, that have all been footballers' sons, mm. but it doesn't work like that. There has to be so many different variables that have to go your way to be, to produce a footballer. Yeah, one theory that we've heard is that when the kid is growing up they kind of idolize a sibling or a family member and then that's what they want to copy and get into football and hmm. um, do you think that could have been like your dad yeah definitely i think there's a lot of a lot of certainly a lot of footballers i've, I've followed and studied I have older brothers right that, that, that will, like my brother used to we kick lumps out of me you know and he <laughs> might was a good player my brother played uh he was at bournemouth as an apprentice he got a really terrible ankle injury and he broke his ankle and never really came back from it but he could play you know good mm. footballer quick good at good athlete um, and we used to go in the garden and he just like kicked lumps out of me. And, I, you know, so it was a really good way of learning. But having a dad, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it was a massive advantage for me. You know, there was so many aspects of it that it gave me that, you know, I, I was just, you know, I, I, I had this education like my we you know you look about an education at school i had an education in being a footballer you know it was like a master's degree every day wow. you know going into bournemouth training ground you know i used to love going in there at sort of 12 13 and cleaning the plate cleaning the boots cleaning the grounds because in those days you had all the menial jobs you know yeah. that's part of growing up so you know i'd get on with all the apprentices it was awkward sometimes i'd walk into a dressing room and everyone would go quiet because they've been slagging my dad off <laughs> you know but there was um it was a really yeah. unique upbringing yeah. you know and and one that i'm i'm obviously super thankful for but i obviously had an amazing my dad dad and i you know we're best mate. i, I speak to my dad every day you know yeah. we're best mates we, we're, and our passion is football did he did he ever coach you at any point because obviously a little mason he's two and we have we're having starting to starting to have these conversations where i'm like i don't know if i want to coach him you know because i want to have that that special relationship where we you know we're buddies and, and whatnot is he going to take to me coaching him? Did, mm. did your dad ever? ever yeah, I always listened to my dad. You know, but it, I, in those in those days, which I'm sure we'll come on to later on, you know, grassroots football, you played until you're 14, and then you went to the pro clubs or you do a little bit of training. Yeah, but I, I, I'm sure dad would always, you know, when I think back, we'd always work on technique. Right. But you know, I, I always, you know, when I was at Bournemouth, I would go into the training and. And sometimes the first team would be training because my dad knew I could play. He would let me join in at 13, 14 with the first team. Wow. And I would be just like the spare man. So if I, you know, I'll be, you know, like, you know, like say if you, uh, the magic man, we call it joker, yeah, yeah, whatever people call it now. So I would join in with the first team. So when I look back at my, you know, obviously 
how we, you know, we be, what makes us what we are as a footballer. Like I knew I had to go in there and if I gave the ball away, they would, they would have a go at me. You know, they would, don't, what are you giving that ball away for? So that was my thing. Yeah, that was my, so I, I knew. So as when I became a player at Liverpool, I always I knew I could keep the ball Yeah, because I, I was under that pressure at that age because you mess the session up. Yeah. And if I couldn't play, dad wouldn't do it. You know, he, he, he wouldn't do it. He just knew that I could handle it and play and join in. And nobody ever batted an eyelid. You know, the question, no one ever said, oh, why is he joining in? Well, he might've done behind my back, but because <laughs> I never gave the ball away. Yeah. So, so what age did you join a grassroots team? So I played for a team. So uh, sort of seven, uh, six, seven, Seven years of age in, in in the US at the time, they were actually although they were like not as developed as what we are in terms of the leagues going forward. They started teams really early. Okay. So dad lived in Seattle, yeah. So I played for a little team there, and then we went to Arizona as well, and I, and then we joined in. and I played for a, a team there, but I always I only ever played a year above or right. older. Even my dad, I don't. I would, he might answer the question. I don't know, but he just I just never played my own age because I was. Probably, you know, and I didn't like playing my own age because I used to find it harder. Yeah. I prefer playing with older, better kids because they, they, you know, they could, they're sit there more advanced and they could see what you could see. You know, sometimes you yeah. play with kids that you're on and there's a pass on, but they don't move and then you end up giving it away. So it's, it was something that I always enjoyed doing more. And then when I came to, I grew up in Bournemouth, we played for a team called Greenfield, which is a really good team. And I yeah. played, played for the year above. We were, you know, we won a lot of games and we had a, you know, and I think dad was, um, he knew that was a good environment for me. You know, you want to find the, the better, one of the better tips. But mm. was quite a small place. So it's not like you've got to travel around London or whatever. Yeah. Because picking the right team is important for any parent. I think so. And it's something is coming up quite a lot where play a year up, you know, if, if you if you find yeah, a good find team. Find the next challenge. And yeah. find the next challenge and playing a year up. A lot of the kids we see nowadays are doing that. Yeah, at the right time. Them, yeah. What were you like physically at that age, Jamie? I was quite, uh, I think when I look back at pictures of me, it's sort of six, I made my debut for Bournemouth at 16. Yeah. I was quite slim, but I was tall. I had a growth spurt, yeah. you know, I had quite a good size. My dad was, my dad's about five eleven, six foot. My mum's about five seven. So I think I'm, I'm six two now, uh, getting smaller. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think I had quite a nice size, but I wasn't physically, you know, at, at 14, you know, when we did, like, you, and you go to Lillishaw trials, for example, yeah. in those days. So Lillishaw right. was the big thing yeah. in my era. And I, you get to the last 20 and then you decide whether you want to go or, or they send you a letter to say, would, if you get picked, would you go? Yeah. And I, I wrote in the back because I just felt that I would learn more being with my dad and let, going to Bournemouth every day than I would go into Lillyshaw. Now, to some that they wouldn't have had that opportunity or it wouldn't have worked for them because they didn't have the, um, what I, the upbringing that I was getting. But I just felt that wasn't right. And I actually don't think I'd have got in anyway because there were bigger, stronger kids than me yeah. that would have, were probably more developed than I was at the time. So in England school boys, I got one cap. Um, so I wasn't the one maybe at that time as a 14, 15 year old that everyone was talking about. But my yeah. dad always knew that I could play, you know, and that was my thing that I could really play. I wasn't necessarily the biggest or strongest, but I had a good football brain and an IQ of what I needed to do. Did he put pressure on you? He was incredible, to be honest, because he never, like, and he, when I asked him this question, he said, do you know why I never put pressure on you? He said, because I never had to. Wow. Every time I watched you, you tried your best. He said, you might not have always played great, but you always worked hard, mm. you know, and he said, you had, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to play, you know, you were always ready. You, the night before training, your boots were sparkling clean. Your kit was laid out. You know, I never had to do anything for you. You wanted it. Wow. You know, you wanted it from three, four years of age. Like when you mentioned Mason, yeah. you know, you, you soon find out whether your kid wants it. Now you can guide them and there's kids will go through all different type, all different aspects of their life where some 11, 12, 13 are like, how can this kid not make it? 
but then they hit puberty 14 15 things change they get into girls they get maybe into the rock hang you know hang around with the wrong people there's so many different pitfalls you know you can never say a, a kid at say seven eight years of, you, you may be at messy messy at seven eight years but even he had his they talked about he had to take uh, you know, supplements injections yeah. to get to yeah. that level there are so many different pitfalls that you go through you know ups and downs highs and lows rejection uh, very rarely is there anybody that's on, you know, on the red carpet. You know, and I can talk you know, all day long about Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard and say that they weren't the kid that everyone was talking about, yeah. but they became the kid that everyone talked about. Mm. Yeah. What sort of things would you practice? So back when you're sort of six and seven and you're playing for this grassroots team, how many practice hours would you be getting and what sorts of things would you be doing? I, I had, you know, when I look back, I didn't realize at the time. I, I reckon if you spoke to most sportsmen, like elite sportsmen, footballers that made it sort of Premier League or played for their country or swimmers, um, golfers, we've all got, you know, obsessive, you know, compulsive disorders. You know, everyone, yeah. you're just obsessed by it. Now, I would, you know, go in the garden and my granddad was a carpenter and he built, um, like a lovely bird cage, it was made, you know, made out of wood. A beautiful thing it was, but I used it to just kick the ball at. So I wouldn't be, out, I wouldn't go in. So I'd go in the garden, and when Dad started to do a little bit better, because as a, as a kid, yeah. people think, oh, you know, you had a lot of, I, you know, Dad had to work hard. We went to America, things didn't work out. Came back to England, he couldn't get a job. You know, a couple of jobs that he went for didn't work. He was going to work with Bobby Moore at Oxford City. That didn't, that didn't really go the right way. Then he got became the coach at Bournemouth. And then people learned he had a great talent to manage. Mm. So then he started to do better and, you know, obviously he became the manager. It took time. You know, I, yeah. I was sort of 15, 16 before I started to see, you know, he started to do well and, 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 and you know, earn good money. So, but he always managed to, like, he always get me the best boots if I worked hard and things like that. But I would go in the garden and have, you know, this bird cage was, I wouldn't be able to go in for dinner unless I'd hit it five times. I'd have to clip yeah. it. I'd have to hit it at the right flight, you know, and, and it would have to go, you know, in those days, um, <laughs> You know, I was always obsessed with pinging the ball. You know, I had to be the right flight low or cut it into it or try and bend it or just ping it. You know, and, I, yeah. and nowadays, you know, the knuckleball, in those days it wasn't. It was just yeah. a pure ping. So the ball, you'd just yeah, see it, you know, right. rotating through the, through the air. So that was what I had to do. And I'd always have to practice a skill. I'd have to keep it up a thousand times before I went in for dinner. And mum would be wow. shouting at me, but I'm, like, I'm not coming in <laughs> until I do it. But that, I think a lot of players are like that. You know, you have to have that mad, you know, that sort of madness to make you succeed. And, and that's where it comes into this question about kind of nature and nurture, because like in your book, you do talk about how that transcends into other things. You had to have the Star Wars figures in the mm. right position mm. and your shorts had to be the right material. And so if maybe naturally you sort of have, yeah, like you say, and these sports people are sort of quite obsessive by nature. Yeah. Addictive, then when, yeah. And when they're in, yeah, and and then when they're in these environments where they're surrounded by football and inspired by football, then they just, you know, sport is like the outlet and then it starts affecting the practice. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I had. I certainly, really? you know, that addictive personality, sure. Is something <laughs> that, yeah, I, you know, I can't lie. And even now, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm still addicted to football. You know, I still think about it. I don't, there's not one night I don't dream about football in my, or something in my life about it. It's bizarre. You know, I'd love to just, someone can help me with that one. Please. <laughs> you know, there's always something with a football or a story or something like that. It's, it's sort of, because it's something, it's, I've never known anything different, mm. you know, and, and as a kid, it's all I ever wanted to do. Now, mm. everyone can, you know, cause I had an older, so Mark's, so he's three years older than me. And Mark wanted to be a footballer. 
but he sort of wanted to be a footballer. Right. Because I was desperate to be a footballer, mm. you know, and that's what it's got to be. And that's what sets you apart. Mm. You know, when I would be out in the cold and, you know, you spoke about it in the book I, and Mark said, come, let's do some, put a little bit of training. He'd go in after 20 minutes. Mm. Mm. I wasn't going until I'd succeeded or done what I had to do to make myself comfortable that I could have my dinner and I could go to bed. And I think that's what you have to have. And when I see certain kids in academies, I see kids like that. And I go, that's why they've got a chance. Mm. You know, because if you're having to take your kid out in the garden, if you're having to push them all the time, there's something maybe wrong there. Yeah. You know, they've got to want it for themselves. It can't be for you. It's got to be for themselves. Yeah. The big question is, though, how do we get, or is it possible to get them to that point where they're doing it by themselves? Or do you think it's just... No, you can. And, and a good example. So my, my brother's son, Harry, it is, um, he's just been given a scholar at, at, at Bournemouth. Okay. And good centre back. Now, 12, 11, 12, 13, I was used to talk to Harry about what, what he's got, to, what it takes, what, you know, what he's got to sacrifice. And I know he used to look at me over dinner and go, well, why are you telling me to keep the ball up this time? Why are you telling me to do this, do that? Because he wasn't really sinking in with him. Then all of a sudden, my brother said, I think, you know, with puberty, things changing in his body, he just finally grasped it, knuckled down, started working, sprinting, you know, going out in the yeah, garden, yeah. going to the gym. Now, He's got a scholar. And uh, two or three years ago, Bournemouth were like, not sure, not sure. He was always one of those kids. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of kids, a lot of parents listen to this, that, that maybe when they get their reports, they don't get the, the nice report that they'd like, or their kid is not perhaps doing what they want, but he's trying. Maybe he hasn't got the, the speed or the power yet that other kids have because the, the 12 to 14, you know, I've really noticed a massive difference. Some kids are like fully developed, yeah. their voices dropped, they're ready for, you know, they've got really, they got, they're men. Mm. Whereas other kids at 12, 13 have not developed. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to give people time. And that's why it's hard for academies because, you know, when we, when I was playing as a kid, there was no, you know, 13, 14 or, or, or sorry, at seven, eight years of age, there was no real pressure. You know, you just played on the grassroots, you played with your team and you had great fun. Whereas now I'm watching sometimes I'm thinking, wow, this is a lot of pressure. Wait till you get to 18, 19, 20, you got to play in front of 50,000. You know, it's a, it's a long, long journey for people. And I don't know if we take it, we go a bit too fast, too early with these kids. Mm. So is that something you've noticed in the difference between, you know, academy football as you were growing up compared to now? It's so different. Right. When, yeah. When I was, when we were 14, you know, we, it, I, I remember, so I signed for Tottenham when I was 14. You weren't allowed to sign when you were any younger, schoolboy forms. And I remember he came down to Bournemouth to the house to sign me. And I, I, I was, I liked Everton. I liked Tottenham. Um, West Ham, I was a bit, I, I, it was a good club. I, I, you know, I was a big fan of the club and the way they did things, but I just wanted to get away from my, from some sort of being a, a silly, affiliated with my dad too much. So okay. I thought, go to okay. Tottenham. I've got, there's no sort of any, you know, no one could ever say anything, nepotism or anything like that. And I went there at 14 and I signed, like you could sign, pre uh, sign apprenticeships and, and pro forms. And I don't know, I got to sort of 15, 16, saw a lot of good, saw a lot of good players there. And I thought, you know, this isn't perhaps the club for me. I didn't mm. think I'd see a part. I didn't see a pathway. So what, we went to see Terry Venables, who's the manager at the time. And he said, look, if you, we, we want to keep you because they, they knew I could play. But I said, but I really want to go to Bournemouth. I'm going to be homesick and I'd rather stay at Bournemouth. So they took 25% of the next transfer fee. So when I went to Liverpool, but yeah. when I said I was homesick, six months later, I moved to Liverpool. So that, wasn't really, <laughs> that argument didn't really work too well, you know. Uh, but no, I, I just felt, I saw a pathway and I obviously yeah. had a lot of confidence as a kid because you've got to find the right club for you because sometimes, you know, the big clubs aren't always right, you know, that you know, you're going to have your Mason Mounts, you're going to have your kids that are, you know, that go through, your, you know, your Reese James, 
players that have you know destined all the way through in academy football. Yeah. But there'll be one or two others that might go to a Fulham or yeah. you know might go to an MK Dons you know or AFC Wimbledon that get that opportunity. Yeah. We've just had uh, an example, isn't it, with Luke Plange? Oh yeah, who was at Arsenal all the way through, didn't quite work out. But then he's gone to Derby and now he's just made his first team debut and scored. So yeah, exactly, there's so many different example, routes and yeah. pathways. You know, never, never, you know, never close a door and ever think, oh, this is the only way to do it and. You know that with the parents now, it's probably harder than ever because of the pressures. You know, and I speak to I'm I'm you know I'm in there. I, yeah. I'd like to say that I've got a more of a sixth sense for it, but I haven't. You know, I get as emotional as the next person because <laughs> I'm desperate for my little boy to be successful and do well. You know, I I you know, my 17 year old, I probably pushed him too much and I ended up pushing him away from football because I was so desperate for him to do it. I go come out in the garden, let's go and do so, and he go, I don't really want to, Dad. And I'm like, mm. why? Why could he not want to go and play football? Yeah, but. Of course, why should he? Because I did. It doesn't make it right for him. So everyone's different, and you got to, you know, you got to sort of manage that, manage that, that, that childhood, right? Because if you don't, you end up falling out with your son, mm. you know. And I, and I, I actually look back and regret the way I okay. was with Charlie a little bit. Because, really? Yeah, I pushed him, and he shouldn't have been pushed. You should have just said, "No, oh, Dad, I'll do it if I want to do it," you know. Yeah. And now, and it, and it's ended up working out great because he's become a super talented rugby player and he loves his rugby and I actually get as much enjoyment, if not more, watching him play rugby than I do my younger one playing football because I find with football, it makes me more stressed. Which with <laughs> rugby, if he does a tackle, I'm like, what a tackle. You know? <laughs> I'm just buzzing. Yeah, yeah. What, um, so what did you learn from Charlie's journey um, uh, and his experience that, you know, that helped with like Bo getting into football? Was there anything that you learned? No, I I think that I just saw uh, more than anything, and this is, and I and I'm sure Charlie will understand this as well. So this isn't you know in any way disrespectful because he will, Bo won't be half the rugby player that Charlie is. So Ch Bo just had a better better understanding of football. You know, he moved slightly better in football. He picked up skills quicker because he was watching his older brother, and they were just just different the way they move with the ball. You know, you can just see it. So that's not, a, that's not me having a go at Charlie. Charlie would be the first to say, it, you know, but you put a rugby ball in Charlie's hands, he's, you know, dynamite. Yeah. So he just didn't enjoy it and love it as much. So, but with Bo, I just felt it was easier to guide him with football and let him do it because he loved it, you know, and he enjoys the game. And I think that's what you've just got to let him get on with it. Because if you start to push him too much, you could, you're in, you're in the, you're in dangerous territory, yeah. you know, and, and I, I've, I, I know, I know firsthand. You know, you cannot force them to do something they don't want to do. No, and you can't. And there, and there will be, there will come days when they don't play well. But you've just got to, you know, or, or they got an injury. You've got to let them just develop. And and it, and I actually find it easier to watch other kids than than. And you can see things probably more clearly when it's another boy's say if one of the dads says what do you think yeah i'm like what are you worried about he's just having a bit of a bad spell you know he's he's, he's growing don't worry but, but when it's your own son it's harder to see because yeah, you get a bit emotional yeah. with it yeah what are some of the conversations you have with with Bo or with charlie when they've had good games or or bad games or i try to be as honest as i can you know because everyone can have a bad game. Everyone can not quite have it. You know, your skills, your touch is not quite right. And I'm talking about the greats, you know. Yeah. But there, but one thing I always say, especially as a kid, always work hard. Yeah. You know, never let anyone outwork you. You know, if you want to be a footballer, then you, there are no shortcuts. Yeah. yeah. There are absolutely none. You've got to get out in the garden, the cold, the wet, the wind, and you've got to do it. And if you don't, then for me, you, you don't make a footballer. Mm. You know, there are elements and sacrifices that you have to make. You know, when your mates have got... 
you know, parties or whatever, you've got to train. When you, when you get to 16, 17, you know, I had, there's so many cautionary tales. I could have done it, but you know what? I got the, I got him with my mates. I got to drink. No, you couldn't have done it because you didn't have that mentality. Yeah. You know, and there's not, I've ne there's no, no, I've, you know, unless you get a horrendous knee injury at 16 where, you know, completely wipes you out, that's different. And of course, that's a, that's, that's a totally different case study. But if you want it and you're good enough, there are, there's no excuses. You've got to go and, you know, you've got to go and yep. grab it. You've got to take mm -hmm. highs. You've got to take lows. You've got to take punches on the nose, you know, when things are, you know, everything's going well. But there are no shortcuts. That's the one thing I always say to everyone. If you want to be a footballer, you've got to, you've yeah. really got to put the hard work in. We've always discussed, isn't it, having those, those non-negotiables where yeah. it's try your best, you know, do everything you're told and, and yeah. whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about Bo's early journey in football? when he's sort of like four or five years old. Yeah. I mean, he always, he's always loved the game. You know, he's always been, you know, cause obviously you, you know, you coached him, Sean. And, yeah. I, and I, I took him up to see you cause I knew you had a nice way about you and coached really well. And, and I think it's so important for him to enjoy their football. And that was something that I really, that was why, you know, we've become mates since. So, um, and Raphael will be coming to see you as well as soon as he's ready. <laughs> um, but no, I do think it's about enjoying it at that early age, you know, yeah. and, and having fun, touching the ball. Like I, I've had this discussion, I spoke to Paul Merson earlier on because Merson's obviously going through it. He's a little bit younger. And um, so his little boy is going through that academy situation that Bo's been through. And, yeah. and we sometimes have that argument, not argument, discussion about passing the ball. Now, academies sometimes frustrate me because it's dribble, 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 you know. And I get that. And I'm no, but when you get to the top level, now, if we watch a Premier League game, how many dribblers are in the Premier League now? How many? I don't know. Can we name 10? Mm. There's there's not many. You watch Man City, who for me, I could watch them all day long. They'll have Foden that might go explode past someone. But apart from that, you know, the, the Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, they're passing, they're getting triangles, they're moving the ball, they're making the ball move. Because obviously the ball moves quicker than any of us. And that sometimes I get a little bit frustrated where, you know, the, the, the coaches maybe don't say, let's pass that. Okay, let's stop this session here because there's a boy 10 yards ahead of you. If you would have passed it to him and then ran past him, you might have got the next one back. But instead they run past a little boy who's waiting for the ball with their pace and power. And then that little boy maybe gets lost and you don't tend to notice him as much. So that's the one thing I think we could implement more. And it might be maybe a... A problem we've had for years in English football where we've never been technical enough. We, are, we haven't produced enough technical players because we'll maybe go for the pace and the power. But I do think with academy football now, when I look at when I was playing at 11, 12, like my left foot and right foot was nowhere near as good as what the kids the, the, the kids are now. You know, they're okay. so talented yeah. off either foot. Right. Um, you know, Merce, Merce was a great example, but Merce used the outside of his foot so well, you know, whereas like kids don't perhaps use that part of their foot enough. You know, I think that sometimes we work on the basic stuff rather than little intricate ones, like little round the corners like Paul Scholes would do or, you know, Gerard Lampard, Merce would do it all the time. Yeah. So I, I think there's different aspects that you can, you can certainly improve, but that's the one thing I would like to see a bit more of is, you know, making kids pass the ball. Now, you know, I never want... No, I have this discussion with my dad because he's a bit, well, now if you've got, if you're a dribbler, be a dribbler. But I think sometimes at the right time, pass the ball, you know, that's how you get through teams so well. And, and maybe you say, well, at 16, 17, then you can implement that. But if you can implement at seven and eight years of age, if there's a better option mm. to do it, do it. What's your views on that, Mars? Um, I, I, I get what you're, what you're saying and I, I completely understand. I do feel we probably don't produce those pivot players that we were talking about. And maybe mm. perhaps it's because of that. Um, but I understand why also the academies do want people 
a very young age to just be dribbling just for the ball. Yeah, oh, I get. Yeah, I'm with you. I get that. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. I, I think um, I can't see us producing maybe a like a Verratti, who probably isn't the strongest or the fastest, mm. but can control a game. Exactly, Jorginho. Uh, Jorginho, those types of players, and they go to, right to the top and and win international trophies. So exactly. It would be nice for us to produce some of them as well. Yeah. I think the theory is that if they can be excellent in 1v1s at a young age, then those little moments, it might not be like the old days where, or like Ryan Giggs, you know, beating four or five players to go and bang it in the top corner or something like that. We don't necessarily see that in the Premier League, like you say, but Mason Mount on the edge of the box might weave around the player and, and find space to then pull a cross or do a clever pass. But did he learn that ability for that one little moment to beat that one player or create space for himself from at six and seven Passing all the one v ones? I'm saying, yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. With, I agree with that, and I never ever tried to stop because that was one thing. When I went to Liverpool, it was funny. My dad always made me as a kid. I was a dribbler. I always say to me, "Got to take people on. Got to take people on." So, but then when I went to Liverpool, the coaches there were all about one touch, two touch. So. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was 16, so I signed it as a 17-year-old. Phil Thompson, who was a coach, used to put me on two-touch because he felt I took too many touches. So that was something that Liverpool were pass and move, pass. That's why, yeah. that's how they moved. That was why they were the, the best at what they did. Yeah. So he knocked that out of me to a little, to a certain degree, which I, I probably look back and like, I could, I could dribble as a kid. So there is a, I agree, there's sort of, I, they're two different sides. Now, if you've got a dribbler and someone keeps telling your kid to pass it, that's a frustration as well. Mm. But I just think sometimes there has to come, you know, when it when there's a kid that keeps running with it, losing it, and everyone goes, oh, look at that skill, but he loses the ball. I'm like, well, mm. what's the point, you know? Why can't we do both? Exactly. Well, I think that kind of hybrid, when we were coaching, when you brought Bo to train with, with our group, and we had some like good initially because we got him playing the year up, if you mm. remember. Yeah. And he was playing in like LJ Montana's team, all of all that group. And they all went on. They're still playing academy football now in the under 14s from that first team that Bo had. But I think initially you spoke to me and you were a bit kind of shocked at why I wasn't telling the kids to pass. Mm. But I'd been coached to coach that way through getting boys signed to academy. So I know that the way the academies need you to coach so I was kind of doing it that way. But then I think I then took on what you'd said and I felt, you know what, actually that does make sense. So then when we got Bo to play his own year group um, and then he became like the dominant player in that team and then eventually got signed, you know, to, to the academy. Um, he, yeah, I think, I think like that really helped him. I think the hybrid of us like, you know, yeah. doing passing and doing and letting the kids express themselves. Yeah, you I, know I like that balance. out of a kid, but yeah, yeah, you have, there's a there's that there's a, a balance. I would say. I think so. I think so. Yeah, and 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 you know, it is starting to affect the the cause England still haven't won anything, so we still. I, I don't know. I, th I think there's still ways to go for us. Yeah, as a country. I do think academy foot. When I look at the kids, and I, I think we're getting better and better. I, okay, I do. for sure, for sure. You know, I think the kids we're producing now. Like when I watch Phil Foden play, he's just you know exceptional. You know, Mason Mount as well has done. You know, has, has developed into such a good player. Jude Bellingham, I love the route that he's taken. You know, he went you know at Birmingham and he's gone to. And I think when from what I can gather, his 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 dad is a, his mom, got a good family unit behind him, and they were like they were to every team who who's going to play my son. Yeah, to all the first team, and then some went well. Yeah, if he does well, we'll get him in. Whereas at Dortmund, they went, he's playing. He'll be in our first team. 
And I know you can never give, you know, you can never give assurances because you knows what's going to happen. What, you know, he might get there and be no good. A manager can't keep playing if he's no good, but he's obviously has gone there and been amazing. And the development for him, and I think when he comes back, I'm, I'm here in Liverpool, whoever wants to sign him, I think we're going to see a very special midfield player that can mm. do everything. Yeah. Um, a question that I wanted to put to you um, was about sort of like holidays. Because I think you've spoken about like the caravan holidays that being like a really good influence on you. Mm. And can you talk a little bit about how that helped your football development? Yeah, well, I think when, my, when I was a kid, my nan and granddad had a... We used to go down to, they lived in East London in Poplar. Yeah. So they lived in a block of flats there. We used to go to, when, when we, I used to love going to my nan and grand. My dad was, my, my granddad was called Harry as well. And he was just up there and the most amazing, you know, nan and granddad. They just lived for Mark and I, you know, we right. used to play football all day. We'd go there and the block of flats where they lived at the bottom, they had a cage. Right. So there'd be a football cage and it was, you know, on, not on Astro, but on, you know, on Cinder or whatever it was, um, cement, um, concrete and just go and play so pop would come down there with us and we'd just join in with the kids big kids small kids and it was just like street football you know what's which i think is so important and then when in the summer they they um my nan won the pools she won not a lot but she won a cup you know at the time enough to buy her a nice caravan in in a in a in a, in a, uh, a holiday camp in a place called Laysdown, which is in kent so we go down there every summer and we'd have fish and chips and just have the, it was just the best holiday. Walk along the beach, have ice creams and ice lollies. And, and this holiday camp was, all, but Pop was sort of like the king now. So everyone would come, Harry, what time's the game today? So my granddad would arrange the game. So we'd go into the park, like in the middle where all the caravans were, um, that lovely all kids from the East End would come down and that was their holidays. You know, didn't have the money to go abroad or anything like that. So he'd set the game up and he'd go, right, you know, we're picking teams. And like I was probably one of the smallest there. I'd have been six, seven, eight years of age and my brother would be there. And he'd go, right. And they'd be like, end up being like 20 a side. So it was just you know, all for one, <laughs> one for all. And everyone would just get stuck in. And, you know, then my dad would come down as well. And, you know, and then Frank Senior, you know, young Frank would come as well. Was, although young Frank was five, there's five years difference between us two. Yeah. But it would just join in and, and it was just, the, the happiest time of your life and it would just be a, a, a just a massive game that would go on until you couldn't see the ball anymore and that was our <laughs> that was our life you know and that was every single day so what time's the game and everyone knock Harry what time's the game today and he'd go I'll, I'll be up in an hour and put you know he'd, he'd only just been you know he had a cup of tea and he wanted to spend some time on that <laughs> but he was amazing and you know and he'd join in as well and he was so technical you know, he had all the skills my nutmeg he used to love a nutmeg remember yeah. nutmegging Frank Senior one day I think he got the ump I think Frank Senior <laughs> wanted to knock him out <laughs> But all of those hours, they add up. Exactly. Yeah. I never, they talk about, I mean, I've read, you know, I think for any young family or uh, there's a book Bounce by Matthew Said, yeah, which absolutely. is a really nice book to read. And it talks about the 10,000 hour rule, you know, and I do, I do believe in that. And I, and I know you talk about nature, nurture. I think there is a lot of it is, I, I do believe with some, some kids like I'm not, I'm not religious, but I, you know, I talk about say a God-given talent. Some kids have a God-given talent; they just do. I, I, I see kids, and there's a couple of kids in the academy I look at, and I think, you know, you, you could. That's that's not the ten thousand. That that's just because one, you want it, and two, you've just got this amazing ability to touch a football. It's like Tiger Woods. You know the way that his dad, what Earl Woods, was with with him, just got a, got a golf ball out, and he could have. If the kid wasn't good enough, he could have spent as long as he wanted with him, yeah. and nothing would have happened. But the, the the two married up so well. The Williams sisters, the film just come out now. He, the, the the way that it worked out to make that they obviously had the talent and the athleticism, and then he taught them. The Williams sisters might be slightly different, but I think with Tiger, 
it was he was born with that talent and really? was, and it just worked and nature nurtured it because you know you could ask some kids to pick up a golf club and it's probably the most technical sport there is i'm a golf fanatic yeah, and i watch yeah. him you know and i've seen there's a brilliant documentary on it and from an early age he's just putting the club in all the right places it's like somebody from somewhere has gone right you you're getting this talent really so, and i do believe there are some some of that with football you can't you know you can't just make someone a footballer They've got, there's a lot of things that have to marry up. You have to have a, the talent in the first place, you know, and you have to have, the, you know, the talent and the skill and also the desire to do it. So does that ca talent, do you think, but for, for the genetics of the parents? Yeah, I mean, the funny, well, if you look at our, my situation is quite unique, really, because Frank and I made, you know, we both played for our country. So everyone would go, well, it must be your dad's, you know, with, you know, because, but it wasn't, our mums were sisters. So that's where the talent comes from. Now, my granddad never kicked a ball in his life. My mum's dad and, right. Pat and, and, and Auntie Pat, she was, uh, you know, Pat was, my mum's quite tall. Yeah. She can't ride a bike, can't swim. You know, sorry, mum, but I've had to tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but she was, she, so it, it's a quite a strange one how we both end up being footballers because you think, well, it would come from, but Frank Senior was very, you know, very tough with young Frank. You know, so there was no doubt that his influence, Pat was very soft. So they, he had the bet, they had a nice balance. Okay. Whereas my, when, you know, with my dad, who was a very talented footballer and perhaps, you know, I think he'd be the first to admit was his talent really never got to the level that he should have done. Everyone always said, oh, great, you know, young player. Mm. I think he was just a bit naughty. He used to get in trouble all the time. And that's why, that's, think, that's, why, that's why I was strict with me to make sure I didn't go down that same path. Mm. I mean, yeah, like your, your dad has said, I, I can see he's a natural footballer. You can train all you like, but I think you've either got it or you haven't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know what you, there are. You can certainly improve players. You know, I see some kids that come into academies and, and you could see a massive, you know, great athlete. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you work with them and you work with them. And you know this, you two, you're good coaches. All of a sudden you see that they pick up things really, really quickly. You know, and whereas like Joe Cole, I think at 12, 13, I didn't really played a lot of football and then suddenly picked up a football and thought, wow, this kid can play. Mm. So there are certain times, but I do believe that then there are only so far you can get, you've got to move well. You've got to love, you know, the ball has got to feel like it's your best friend, you know, yeah. to the, to the, you know, to the top players. That's for sure. Mm. You can improve them. You can get them better. You can improve their touch, improve their athleticism. But I think if you've got a player that's got a good, you know, has got a good touch and ability and moves well, you can improve the rest of it easier than trying to teach someone to play football. Mm. So, I mean, what, what do you think with like Bo? I mean, because I remember him and I would say he's that talent. Mm. Do you feel that? Do you think he's got it? Honestly, uh, like and every academy kid and, and every parent needs to understand this. The kid, no matter how good they are at 12, 13, there is still a million miles to go. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to put a dampener on it because you have to understand there is ups and downs and your kid goes through a lot of changes, who he, the environment he's in, you know, so there are, you know, there are, there's a million miles to go for Bo. Now he's got, an, he's got a talent. I think he can do a lot more. Okay. You know, and I'm, I, and I tell him, so I, I'm not telling anyone else, you know, anything differently here. You know, he's got an... What Bo has got, which I do like, is a football brain. Yeah. You know, he understands it's got to go from A to B. Um, you know, he, he, he loves the game. But I, I think you've got to, you know, there, there's that, that, which is not always enough. You know, you've got to adore it. You've got to want it. You've got to live your, live your life like it. Sacrifice everything to be a footballer. You know, and that sounds quite extreme, but it, it's just no, a fact. You know, there course. are, you know, that's that's purely what it takes. And I, and I do try to say that to Bo. But what I will also say is, and like when I say it, it makes me a bit emotional, like he's the most incredible kid. So I don't mind, 
you know, if he doesn't make a footballer, it's not the end of the world. It, it really isn't because I'm so proud of him. So whatever he wants to do, I'll always support him, you know, and, and like Charlie at, at 12, 13, 14, wasn't necessarily a great athlete, great mover. But like when I see him now play rugby, yeah. I'm like, blimey, you know, what a brilliant athlete he's turned into. He's so brave and like he gets flying into tackles, you know, so there's so many, there's so many ups and downs for Bo and all I will ever do is help him. I would drive across the world to get him to where he wants to go. You know, and I think that's the same for every parent. I see so many parents who single parents, single dads, single mums, and I'm like, I'm in awe of them because I think that's such a, an amazing thing what they're doing for their kid. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you've got to let them get on with it. You can't make them something they, they, that you want them to be. If they want it, they'll do it themselves. You know, so that there's only so far you can take them. But do I think he'll be a footballer? I would love him to be because I know the life it's given me. I've travelled the world. You know, it's given me like incredible amount of enjoyment. You know, I've, I've got more money than the, you know, as a kid, if someone said to me, I was going to be earning the money that I did at Liverpool or playing, walking out in front of Liverpool fans, singing, you'll never walk alone and putting the armband on, you know, and playing for my country. I'd have been like, cool, son, that's not going to happen to me, but it did, you know? So yeah, I would give anything for him to be a footballer, but he's got to want it. No, it's not up to me. Mm. Jamie, you mentioned before, you think some kids just have that God-given talent. And I know Sean's take on this. Do you think that that talent can be manufactured? I mean, that's a, I do think that's a brilliant question because it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, I mean, I think it was Arsene Wenger once said about, you know, if you give him an athlete, I could turn him into a footballer. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure about that, if I'm honest. You know, I, I'm just not. I think you have to have a real subtlety about how you play the game and see the game and, you you have to study it, you know. You have to watch games. I don't I don't think kids watch enough football now. I, I, that's a worry for me. I would agree. You know, I, I no, I remember I, I was really lucky because like, I used to go to every, like, every. So if I went, when I was a kid, I used to go and watch Bournemouth play when Dad was a manager. So I'd watch the players in midfield. You know, and they're good technical players. A guy called Sean Brooks was a really good footballer. Ian Bishop played for Man City, played for Bournemouth, played for West Ham. I really loved Ian Bishop as a kid. Tony Pulis was a good example for me because Tony was as like tough as they come so i learned that sort of the dark arts of watching him look after himself because in my year it was obviously you had to do a bit more of that than what you do now yeah so i had a, i used to just watch them so every week training and games and i and if, when they weren't playing i used to go to southampton to watch southampton play my dad would get me two tickets my brother and i would go and watch at the time like a young alan shearer um you know takes a guy called midfield called steve williams it was a you know good footballer as well so I was always watching games. I'd watched, you know, and and we weren't as lucky as what they got kids on now to watch Sky Sports and watch, you know, all the all the football that's on and all the skills. We 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 only could watch a match of the day. So that I actually I'm not sure if there's always too much for them. Mm. But if you want to be a footballer, you've got to watch players. You've got to watch how Mason Mount plays. Watch Phil Foden. Watch Kevin De Bruyne play football. I mean, and this is sometimes I find with like, with, with kids or did you watch that? Like, what was that? I'm like, well, mm. you got to watch it. You know, you've got to learn, you know, see how they move, see the positions they take up. Yeah. I think it's so important to watch and learn. You know, because it's like only, it's the same as when, you know, I, I've seen you, you guys coach. When you demo to someone how to do a skill, you pick it up really quickly. So if you watch a game and you see a little position that a player picks up, then you'll start to learn it, you know, and you get it. And I think it's so important yeah. and repetition and watching is so is something that I don't think kids do enough. You know, some kids, some parents I speak to, as you could watch football, they go, yeah, he's obsessed. You know, whereas I don't, I know, I'm just probably talking more for my situation. I have to sometimes say about watch that game, watch that goal, watch that player. Mm. It's like a lot of the kids now with like social media, it's, it's kind of like TikTok or 
it's, it's quick snippets it's like, highlights they see a nutmeg and, it, yeah. and it's that's what they're watching not necessarily the build-up or the clever movements and I, and I think like probably the conversations that you would have been having with your dad at a very very early age that might have molded the way that you thought about the game mm. so then when you're thinking about the game in that way you've got a different lens and then you're playing it and seeing things seeing pictures that other kids don't see yeah yeah i i, I mean i was so i was mine you know i don't think anybody's probably watched or seen more football as a kid than what i did or listened to more really? conversations you know be having lunch dinner dad would be talking football you know and it's that's all it ever was you know so that's why i probably you know and i was obsessed by it and i still am and i think that that certainly gave me an advantage but, you know, but like I say, you know, my brother had that same upbringing. He had that same, you know, he was accustomed to the same things I was, the same talks, but he didn't want it as much as I did. So you have to, you know, there is that that element of that as well, because he, my dad, if Mark would have wanted it as much, my dad would have done anything with him, but you could only do, you know, because he was a great dad. I couldn't have asked for more. Yeah. It was only just the two of us. But I find that really interesting. I know, I know. It's I like just the same upbringing, <laughs> same environment, but yeah. yet, like you said before, you would stay out extra yeah be that little bit more obsessed with with, with yeah. training with practicing but yeah but you'd also my dad would also say to you that the way i touched the ball was different to what my brother did you know and that's not a you know, it's not an, a, a slant on mark because you know he's the best you know he came to every single game with bet you know his amazing brother but he's the first to admit it you know you just the way that i did things with the football were just yeah. different to what mark did but then all right go back to environment again because like, i'm so passionate about it, it can be manufactured, you know, it's almost like gives hope to so much parents that you can kind of, as long as it's done in the right way, I'm not saying for them to like pressure and all the kind of negative stuff that goes with it. But I mean, like that interview we did with Nigel James, he talked about Reese and Lauren's journey and he's sort of given loads and loads of support, but there hasn't been pressure. But so, so anyway, but coming back to it, I'm thinking that Mark was three years older than you so maybe he's playing football potentially you maybe started earlier but maybe yeah could you could you have been like if he's if he's four-year-old or less to he's a five-year-old you're a two-year-old you might have been running around kicking a ball and and he wouldn't have had that experience he wouldn't have had a sibling to play against yeah that it, have been it a certainly helped it definitely helped now, I, I do think you know you can you can certainly get, you know, when you've, if you've got the athletic ability and yeah. you can play, I mean, if you can't, if you cannot, you know, put two, you know, you can't do a, you know, a ball, if I threw a ball to a kid and he couldn't control it and he's seven, eight years of age, it's hard to then, but if you don't matter if you can run as fast as you want, it, it's really hard to make someone, they've got to show a certain amount of, of football IQ and, and uh, acumen to be able to do skills or, or, or to a certain extent. Yeah. But if you've got a kid that's got, you know, has got a, a, an ability and he's a good athlete and he's strong and you work hard enough for them and they want it, you know, I, I'm seeing it every, I'm seeing it at Chelsea every week. I see kids come in and I think, well, you know, he doesn't, you know, he can't really play, but he's quick and strong. And then, and then after six weeks of good coaching, which they get there, I'm like, wow, no, that's that's incredible. That I can see in that boy, and then another, there's a boy that you know that trains in Bose Group. He then started to train up, and I'm like, fantastic. He's worked really hard at that. Didn't come in as maybe the one, you know, the kid that's been on the, you know, the red carpet from seven, eight years of age, but they brought him in. He's been playing grassroots. You know, we know a kid that's been released from. Uh, he got released from a club, good club. Uh, grass and he went and played grassroots for two three years and now he's got a, a premier league club yeah you know so that can happen 
you know, so don't ever think because you get released, that's the end of the journey. Yeah. It never is. There's always a way back in. And sometimes I do think a bit of rejection is good for kids. Mm. Sure. Because I think sometimes the kids that are at Chelsea at seven, eight years of age, they get given the boots, they get given the kit. They're never under any duress. They get picked every week. It's like a bit too easy. And all of a sudden they start playing against kids that are coming in or they get bought in from another club and they want they want it so badly. They want that shirt. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've been a bit too comfortable here. You know, you need to have a, a, a everyone, you need a reality check and a bit of a, a, a every, to sometimes because it's tough. Mm, it's yeah. cruel. It's, you know, when you play in front of 50,000 people and you don't play well and they letting you know, you've got to be ready. You know, like with something we're too kind with kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, every now and again, they need to be told. You know, I think that, that whole, the way you talk to kids and, and a manner is obviously so important, especially the babies. When they're in a six, seven, you've got, a, you know, that's fine. But when they get to 14, 15, it's starting to become a bit more of a reality now that you've got a chance. Yeah. So if you can't handle a bit of a coach having a bit of a go at you, you're not going to be able to handle 50,000 scousers shouting abuse at you or be not happy with what you've done <laughs> or, or the same at Chelsea or the same at Arsenal, or Man United, wherever. You've got to be tough. You've got to be able to handle criticism. And if you can't, you're in the wrong game. Mm. And I remember when you, when we had Bo at like six years old, seven in those under sevens, under eights, if if he didn't have a game where he, I think, like you said, there'd be times occasionally if like stuff's not working with your feet, but if he, if he didn't work hard, that would be where you'd say, well, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Always, yeah, always for me, yeah, and I will always say that to him. You know, I never, you know, I don't mind what how, how some a kid plays or whatever. And it's the same when I watch Premier League games. You know, I see some players. I think, well, that that, that you, you've not done your job there. You've not because you know, we can all play badly. We can all have days when it's just not quite on. Your touch is wrong. Your shooting's off. Yeah, because the this is the way that we we don't always wake up and feel amazing. You know, yeah. some days you think oh, I've got to grind out. You know, and and that's why I always say to Bo, you know, that he's. Like as he's getting a bit older, he's starting to understand the game. And he says, you know what, Dad, I felt a little bit funny in a warm-up today. And I was like, mate, I remember feeling like that when I was playing, you know, at Liverpool as captain. And 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 some days you just don't feel right. Your body doesn't feel right. So what you've got to do is you've got to just run through that. You've got to go make a tackle. You've got to go and do something to just get your brain going or score a goal and everything else then feels better. Because mm. we don't always feel good. You know, and I'm trying to explain it, but that if you don't feel right, you've still got to run, you've got to chase, you've got to tackle because, mm. you know, it's there, there are the, in football right now that it still boils down to how, you know, 1v1 situations, how much do you want it? Do you, can you outwork your opponent? Yep. So you never, you know, we don't always feel great, but you can always try your best. Mm. We, we see parents on sort of different ends of the spectrum um, in terms of like controls they put in place of, screen time what time they go to sleep diet um yeah some sort of more extreme than others like where would you say you are on the spectrum in terms of the controls for bow i think food's a really interesting one because i see some kids that they're not 10 11 years of age they don't their parents don't let them eat this or that i, like, I remember my mum as a kid when i was a kid like mum she says to me like you didn't you know you were so fussy you know which is you know, I was reading a bit in the paper this morning. I think Gino DeCampo was talking about food. And he said, like, well, if I have a fussy kid, I say to him, you don't, if you, there's no such thing as a fussy kid. If you don't want his food, he, he has to go to bed without food, right? Which is one way of putting it. <laughs> but I was genuinely didn't, like, as a kid. So my mum, the only thing I would eat was like bacon, sausage, and chips. I didn't like eggs. I didn't like, you know, so I hated mashed potato. So looking at it now, that, I mean, that's not a great diet, but. It, I did all right, right you know, and I think some kids, if you start saying to 11, unless they've got, a, unless they maybe have a little bit of a, you know, you feel like you have to lose a bit of weight, 
let kids be kids. I'm a big believer in that. I think sometimes we put a bit too much pressure on them because when they get to 15, 16, things, they, you start to figure it out yourself anyway, the coaches and everything like that. Mm. But I do, I do think you've got to be careful that you don't put too much pressure on them. You know, yeah. like I, I was one parent I spoke to the other day. He said he was having dinner. He said he couldn't believe that he saw a pro eating chips. And I was like, well, you know, you've got to enjoy your life. You know, I'm, and alcohol is a different, when you get to 20, 21, if you drink nowadays, I think it's important. If I played again, I don't think I'd touch a drop of alcohol. In my day, you know, it was hard not to because that was what the, that was just the, the, culture, the, yeah. the culture. But with food and, and enjoyment for your kids, you know, if he wants to have a few sweets, come on, man. You know what I mean? I'm a few kids. They want to have a five guys. I have a five guys. I think everything is all right in moderation yeah. when they're 11, 12 years of age because you've got to enjoy your life. You know, there is, when you get, if you become a pro, that's when it becomes really serious and, and, and actually quite stressful at times because it's, it's super tough. Mm. Um, phones, I think, are, are a, major, a major problem for right. everybody. I'm, right. I've got a problem with mine. I'm, you know, I, I've, I would love to, someone can help me not use mine as much. I'd love to find a way because we're addicted to them. I think we've all, you know, you, watch a, you could be watching a great TV show or film. You're not looking at your phone halfway through or, you know, you're, you're having a lovely dinner with somebody, you look at your phone. It's not because you don't want to be with that person. I think it's just we have that you know, that gene in us. And I think it's unhealthy because people, you know, phones have almost taken control of our life rather than our, yeah. us taking control of it, you know, reading books and things like that and educating yourself. But I do think that the one thing I, I'm very strong on is food. I'm not so, but I think in terms of screen time and try not let them play too much, you know, too much FIFA, you know, too much stuff. Let them play, let them have fun, okay. but not too much on the phones. I do think that, you know, before a game, I say to you, look, little man, you know, don't look at your phone too much. Because I do think looking at something so close up, it can't be good for you. Yeah. You know, I don't, I just don't think it's right for you. It's also just um, what it takes away from practice hours. Because if, like you said earlier, the, the, you know, the kid, I mean, it might be different in academies. I mean, how much, how much, um, how many hours is Bo getting per week with the academy programming? So his week will, so Tuesday and Thursday, he does it. So six till eight, Tuesday, Thursday, then Saturday does 10 till 12. And then Sunday, then they'll have a game. Yeah. Okay. Obviously it's been slightly different because of COVID this year. Oh yeah. Um, and, they'll, and then they have a day release as well, which is quite an interesting one because on a Thursday, they'll, they'll not, they won't go to school. School will set their curriculum and they'll do it from Chelsea's training ground, which is, which is great. But also it's a bit of a tough one because, you know, if he doesn't make a footballer, I want him to make sure he has a good education because that's something, you know, he's always got to fall back on. Mm. And, you know, I, I didn't have a great education at school. I was very fortunate I made a footballer. And if it hadn't worked out that way, I'd have, I'd have really, you know, I'd have regretted that not going to school. And, you know, I look back now, I think I wish I'd have understood. When I talk history now, I'm having to develop it, you know, or, or listen to certain subjects. And, you know, you learn as you go on, obviously. Yeah. But I do wish I'd worked harder at school. But it would have helped when my dad would have took me in the first place. But, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think that, you know, that, that there are there are times and places for it. But I, I do think you have to be so careful with letting your kids be, you know, because they become addicted to it and it ends up stopping them. You know, if you want them to be a footballer, yeah. they, can only, they can have their time on it. But I think too much of it. Like all them, I, I do think there is an element of including, you because know, I'll, I'll be... Some days I like he'll go in his bedroom and I and I listen, I walk past and I hear him laughing with his mates. And I'm like, I love that. I love it. You know, all his Chelsea mates, all his mates from school, and he's having fun because that is an inclusive thing for him to do while he's playing with somebody else. But when they're so engrossed in their phone and they're looking at TikTok, right, reeling down, reeling down, I'm thinking, what are they, what, what, what is that really bringing them? Yeah. Cause, cause then in the comparison and they, and again, maybe it sounds different because he is getting a lot of hours with the academy, but then we're also seeing that 
other kids will do extra bits on the outside as yeah. well. Where do you stand on that, you guys? I was, I was actually going to ask you, do you think he's doing enough? Is it enough hours, football-wise? Yeah, I mean, the hardest thing is you do that. When, when they're not playing well as a kid, you do, I think we all go down that route, he needs extra, he needs extra, you know. And then, but then there's also an argument. When I spoke to Freddie Flintoff about this, now when when in cricket, Freddie says when a kid say as a Osgood Slatters as an example, they take the kid away from cricket and they'll go and say, look, do another sport mm. because he needs to because obviously he's growing or there's something's changing their body. And the worst thing you can do is judge a kid when they're going through a growth spurt because they can look just they can look terrible. You know, I've looked at there's some kids and they go, what has happened to him? He's no good anymore. But it's just because his body's just growing. He can't figure out what where the ball is to his feet. And then a year later, they go, whoa, that's the kid I remember. Yeah. So you have to be very careful of how you how you treat kids. Some kids don't get any injuries, don't get any growth spurts, and they're fine. So I I I. I must admit, I have been that dad a lot, you know, and, and I still am. I still go, he needs extra, you know, and, I, and I'm not, and I spoke to Sean about, you know, for Bo, I think he needs a bit more extra work on speed and a bit more power, you know, and so I, I do, I do think that you, sometimes you have to do extra stuff just if you want to, but the kid's got to want to do it as well. For sure. There's no point a parent forking out money for a coach and then, and the coach, and there's no benefit from it. He, you almost want the kid to say to you, you know, dad, I think I need this. You know, this is what I need and find the right coach that sort of connects with your kid. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And um, I think that in the stories that we've heard, like when we t had spoke to Nigel James, uh, Reese James's dad, mm. he said that Reese was going through a period where went to secondary school and um, started getting in with mates who would go to the chicken shop and then it started affecting his diet. He lost his position up front then went into set midfield and again it was really affecting his fitness but then he went and sourced him a fitness coach because reese was kind of coming to him saying look how can i work on this like what's going on so then he came to the dad and the dad said all right well i'm gonna get you a coach yeah. and then they sorted it out but it was done like together um it wasn't coming like dad first yeah and um, but then that that actual work and the same with um harvey elliott i know with his journey he needed to work on power around the age of like 13, 14, they did that work. And yeah, Phil Foden got summer. a sprint coach. Did he? Yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed a guy that um, Jamie Carragher's son works with a guy or did. And he worked with Phil Foden as well. He's a very good athletics coach up in up in Manchester or wherever it is. And I do believe there is a place for that. You know, mm -hmm. becoming yeah. really popular. Because I think that's the one thing you can, you know, you could people say you can't really work on you, but you can. You know, I saw Frank Lampard. Frank as a kid and... And I hope Frank wouldn't mind me saying this because he's he's probably the, the not just the best English goal scoring midfield player, but probably the best ever goal scoring midfield player of any generation. His numbers were out of this world. He was probably at 11, 12, 13, not a natural athlete. You know, good footballer, but he wasn't going to, you know, you would never have guessed that he would become the great player that he did. And I think what Frank did and obviously his dad, they worked harder than anyone else. I know it's obviously been said, but I saw it firsthand. Yeah. Because he wasn't the you know, the golden boy. He wasn't the, you know, the, you know, it was Rio Ferdinand and players like that that were, you know, everyone was talking about. Frank had to work so hard to where he got to, you know, so that, that that's the case of, you know, the nature nurture, you know, there was, there's two elements that he obviously had talent, of yeah. course, knew the game. He'd, he'd studied it with his dad and his dad was obviously, you know, keen on him being a footballer. 
But Frank's pathway was different, certainly to, to most, because he had to really grind it out. He had to work hard, figured out what he was good at, which was obviously arriving in the box, had an incredible engine. When we was, when I remember the first time we went to Ayanapa, you know, I was playing at Liverpool. Frank was about 16, 17. You know, we'd all have a night out, but he'd still come on, he'd go on a run every night, you know, and that was part of his, you know, we all did to be fair. Yeah. But that was, that was something that Frank was so big on. Like nobody ever outworked him. Oh, on the training field and brilliant and i have to be honest i was exactly the same at liverpool you know when i first went to liverpool as a 16 17 year old i was amazed where at bournemouth i had a really good close group of friends a guy called dean giddens and dave morris that were you know good players they never never made it but they were good really good players they um after training my dad was really big on doing extras you know like spend even if it was half an hour just clipping balls to your mate you know passing it 20 yards 10 yards you know we used to do a game where you know, you could play two touch, so you stand about 10, 10 yards apart, but you had to like pat, you can bang it into each other. But if you drop the ball, you know, you like, yeah. you lose a point or whatever. So we'd do that for hours. You know, there was a goal in the, you know, outside the training ground and we just, you know, spend hours, you know, shooting at it. When I went to Liverpool, uh, so in those days, you used to get changed at Anfield, go to the training ground at Melwood and go back on the bus, back to Anfield. Nobody would do any extras and you, that was it. You get showered and you go home. So I remember speaking to Ronnie Rand, who was a you know amazing guy, Ronnie. He was a coach. I said, "Look, you know, I, I want to train extra. What do you mean?" So, well, how do I, I? I need to go back. He said, "Well, no, everyone goes back to that's it. Get you, you're done now." I went, "Well, was, do you mind if I take a bag of balls and go back to training ground?" Said, well, you do what you like, no problem. So I grab my bag of balls, I go back to training ground on my own, and there was a few lads that would go and look at me and go, oh, like, "You know, you ass licker." You know, uh -huh. and I go, "Yeah, that's all right. You do your thing. I'll do mine." Yeah, exactly. and I would go and do my training, and then a couple of the other lads would go, "Where are you going?" I go, "I'm just going to do a bit." And they went, "Oh, can I come?" I went, "Of course you can. Let's go and do a bit. We'd get a goalkeeper. You know, we'll get where we defender wants to work on a little bit of his defending, and we'd go one on one with him. You know, perhaps do some. You know, I'll get there'll be a right back. I say, "Look, you go out. I'll cross you. I'll ping him out to you. You can get some crossing in." So it ends up creating a really good environment and a culture. And I think that's also so important to create good environments, good habits to make people go that to see that you want to be part of something big, you know. And mm. and that was something, and that's probably why one of the reasons why I'm not being Liverpool captain because I had that, you know, the attitude. Mm. Like I think when I'm scouting, I'm like scouting, and I'm thinking about like the player has to be able to move well, and um, because like the modern day player is they're so athletic now. Like Jamie Mackey said it the other week that when he was in the Premier League, he just looked around adjusting the tunnel and every player would be kind of like this specimen of an athlete. Yeah. And so we haven't sort of recognised that. But I think like on the other side of it, you'll have players that can be like so athletic early on and you hope they catch up with a technique in a football IQ. But you'll have other players that are very, very intelligent. They've got the football IQ. Good technique. And really technique. good technique and then you, you're then kind of hoping can they do the work to catch up athletically as they go through and I think that's where the parent maybe does have to kind of identify where the, the weaknesses are whether it's technical or whether it's in like um, pa stuff. patience is a key though Sean, okay because I look at I, I can only speak as I find with Charlie as a full as a 11 12 13 year old he wasn't really, you know, a, a good a, he wasn't a bad athlete he could you know he could catch run you know decent and then all of a sudden, you know, he hit puberty and was just like, oh my God, the size, the power and the pace and the, and the aggression that he, he got from nowhere, it seemed. Yeah. So you have to, you know, you, this is where you, you have to almost play the long game because there's kids that hit puberty at like 13, 12, 13 years of age. 
And they are what they are now. Yeah. And that's, they don't develop anymore. No. Where it's the one that maybe, you know, the, the slow burner that comes through at 14, 15, that perhaps gets that little bit of strength, starts to turn puppy fat into muscle. They're the ones that you got that, that can still hit, you know, that can surprise you. You know, and I, I, I had that one. I had that in Charlie. No, I wasn't that necessarily like that as a kid, and I, I, and I don't you know. I think I was always, you know, okay. But there, it it can change, so you have to sometimes be patient with kids or your kid, and go. Oh, let's just wait and see. Now that doesn't mean you can't do extras and you can't prate that. It's not always going to happen. But there is, there is. I've seen it. You know, I've seen it firsthand with my boy. How he developed as a rugby player from a twelve-year-old to a fifteen-year-old, and I just saw a different, a totally different kid. Mm. This is such such good advice for parents because we get parents who the kids are eight, nine, and maybe athletically they're not quite there yet, and they're sort of in a rush. Oh yeah, and they're asking, "Well, what can we do?" And I, I almost do say, "Look, you're gonna." Keep working on the technique. Make sure that's that's an you know a given yeah. spot on, and then almost wait until they hit puberty, mm. and then go from there. Yeah, do the extras as well, but wait wait until they hit puberty and and see what. Yeah, it, because that was almost I suppose that was what the old the old school of, of doing things was with um uh like when I was a kid at fourteen you signed your schoolboy forms. I suppose that was the age when you you saw it, seeing what kids have developed really, mm. but at ten, eleven, twelve. You know, you can't, you see, you know, everyone's got that kid in their team at 10, 11 that runs past everyone. They go, wow, he's amazing. He's going to make a footballer. Yeah. But he's only doing it because he's bigger and stronger than everyone else at that age. You know, and a lot of kids, when they're say seven, eight, nine, and they're playing against a big kid, they're scared to tackle him. But that little kid that gets to like 14, 15, they, they then go flying into the tackle. They're not scared anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really patient. Never, never rule anyone out and, you know, and, and, Never think that it's over. You know, if you want something bad enough, you can still make it happen. Yeah. But I, I always go back to that same thing. And it's the same thing for all the, you know, and I think great players, are, you know, we've, you know, I always think about Stephen as a sixth, fifth, because Stephen at Liverpool, Stephen Gerrard cleaned my boots. And I always had a really strong connection with him. And I still, I think the world of him even now, he, I could just tell, you know, that uh, like 13, 14, that this kid had something special, but he wasn't, you know, he had injuries. He had a few problems, you know, he had a little bit of a, he had a funny gait the way he walked. He was 10 to two. So it wasn't always there for him, but then, you know, a lot of injuries. And then all of a sudden they get, they were, Liverpool were brilliant when they were patient because they knew he had, there was something in him. You know, he had that fire in his belly. He had that amazing skill. But it was only because they took their time with him and believed in him. Mm. Other kids are like, well, he's had so many injuries. So how are we going to, what's the point? You know, but they kept persevering and he's ended up becoming Liverpool's iconic player of the Premier League era. So you have to be really patient with kids. Mm. Now, there are so many, you know, there are, there will always be one or two that surprise you. And if your parents listen to this going, you know, like what's, you know, he, uh, he's got great, like 11, 12, he was really good. 13, 14, he's having a tough time. He can't work his feet out. But it all, it you know, it it can come back once they go through that sort of growth spurt. Yeah. So, so to try and like conclude that advice for parents on that, and because when you got those questions from those eight year old, nine year old parents to say, oh, you know, my my son or daughter is struggling physically, it's like, are you saying to them, be patient? Are you saying to them just do nothing, like visit in the physical corner? with physical work no no i'd say look you can go ahead and maybe do get a sprint coach or if that's what you want to do if the kid wants to do it as well by all means but don't put that pressure on the kid right you know, yeah. let them still do the extras but have in the back of your mind be patient let him or yeah. her grow yeah. up and then see what happens when they yeah. hit puberty yeah there is so much pressure now yeah i must you know even when you know when i was a kid it was 
you know, you, you want people, everyone want to be a footballer. But I think now, you know, yeah. I don't remember it being like it is with the parents, you know, and it's tough, you know, and I, and I feel for, I feel for the kids sometimes, I feel for the coaches, you know, I feel for the, for the you know, for the, for academy directors, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to manage kids and their, their dad has got an idea of what he should be doing and what he shouldn't. And and don't get me wrong, there are, there are I've heard examples of, of dads that are like, no, I don't want him, he needs to go there and this is what he's going to do. And, this, and they end up getting to, from from A to B in the, in the right way. But there is also some kids that I hear, you know, they take their kid out of an academy and they take him up north and I'm like, you know, why, why, you know, like there's, they've got everything you need, you know, wherever you're, you know, there's, if you find the closest club for you that works, you know, and if you've yeah. got a good coaches and good system, a good support system, help your kid, you know, don't get in the car and start shouting at them and, and, and screaming at them. And because that's not always a good thing as well. You know, you've got to let them develop and you'll end up falling out with your kid and you'll never, you'll never get those years back, you know, try your best to be as, as kind as you can, but be constructive. You know, don't just start shouting and you know bawling at them because they don't take anything in after a while. Yeah. You know, to just try to be constructive. Did how did you think you did today? You know, they said, yeah, I thought I did. Could you have done that better? You know, could you have worked a little bit harder? Maybe you know when you had that position. You know, next time maybe maybe try that. You know, and I think that's important to talk to your kid in the manner so he understands it without getting you know screamed abuse at. Because I have seen it before. You know, and I actually see it on the pitches sometimes. And don't be wrong. There are sometimes when I'll t uh, when a game's going on, a lot of co parents don't shout. I will sometimes if I see Bo doing so, I, I would say, so, and I have to go. Oh, I shouldn't really do that, <laughs> but I'm only trying to help him in terms yeah. of you know a position or whatever. But you know, I think you try. You have to try and be constructive. But don't get me wrong. I've I have of course I've shouted at my son when he hasn't done as well as what he should. But I try my best not to. That's really really good advice. Um, kind of like final question, Jamie. Like with Raphael, um, three weeks old. Um, do you think he'll play football? I'd love him to. You know, Frida's a she's from Frida's from Sweden, so she loves a sport. And you know, she was a ten, she played a lot of tennis as a kid. Um, one thing I'm going to definitely I, I I was one thing I haven't really touched on this is that although I was obsessed by football, is it my that I remember my childhood growing up playing every sport. We used to go right. and play golf. We used to go and play tennis on holiday. You know everything. We 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 play checkers. You know, like um, what do you call it? Drafts. You know, he never taught me how to play chess. I don't think he knew my dad. <laughs> but we would we would do our child. My childhood growing up was always about playing sport and competition, and I and I loved it. You know, he'd go, "Come on, let's go have a game of golf," and we go out the we go out the road, and you know, and I think we and I think that 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 bought uh, a friendship as much as anything. So, and I think that's so important for kids. Yeah. You know, in the summer holidays. Don't just train them with football. You know, teach them to play tennis. I, I played, I'd, I haven't touched on another thing on this bench issue. I had two great teachers at my school, Mr. Broadwell and Mr. Jackson. Now, Mr. Yeah. Jackson was a good footballer. He played for a team called, played for Christchurch. We ended up playing, they played Bournemouth in an FA Cup game, bizarrely as well. Now, Mr. Jackson was a blinding guy. One yeah. of the best teachers you could ever have because he loved football. Got on great with me. So when my dad was late from training because he was at Bournemouth, Mr. Jackson and I would spend hours playing badminton. Now, badminton for me, no doubt at all. If I look at my why my why I was the player on the I made a football, it was, that was one of the reasons. Badminton was so good for my foot patterns. You know, I was quite, I wasn't super tall, but I was you know quite skinny, and, and I needed to sometimes get my feet working the right way. And 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 that sport helped me become a footballer. No right. doubt at all, That's because it's just it's so important to be able to you know because if you think about as a badminton court, you have to cover the you know you have to be fast feet, you have to get up, you have to jump, you have to be low. It's it's not unlike you know 
football repetition. Yeah, mirrors, mirrors a lot of the skills, yeah. Mm. Exactly. So like, you know, golf was a good take golf would take my mind away from football because, you know, that obsession sometimes isn't always good. It can eat you up sometimes. So there were so many different things that my dad did, you know, and I often wonder, I, I said to him and he says, no, hmm. you know, did you know what you were doing with me? You know, as a kid, like to make me a footballer. And, you know, he just says, no, no, no. I just think you <laughs> loved it. I didn't need to. But I think it was just circumstances, the way that it worked out for me. But I, I do believe it's so important to have that family, you know, upbringing and play different sports. Don't just drive your kid mad with football. There's amazing other sports you can do. So if Raphael wants to play any sport, that's the dad I want to be. Mm. And find out what he's good at. And if he's good at something, because as Sean, because because I was a footballer, or you know, I love football, it doesn't mean he's going to love it. So I can't push him into it. I've already learned from that mistake. Mm. Is there anything different you would do, you know, for having been on the journey with Charlie and Bo in that football journey, let's say if Raphael takes to football, you would do differently. Uh, I think maybe obviously with but with Charlie, I mean Chaz just he's he was he's always been incredibly you know headstrong is the wrong word, but he always knew what he wanted to do you know so and that and that's where probably I would have just been a little I should have listened to him more you know I said no no okay you don't want to do that mate it's cool let's do something else because he's a really good sportsman Charlie good golfer you know pick something up he can do it but it took time for him to get to that point yeah. so you have to you have to be patient with kids. Um, Anything I do different, I just always do. I, I have to be totally like do whatever he, whatever he wants to do. If he, I'm that I'm like most dads or mums that listen to this. You know that we do anything for your kids. You know if he wants to go and play football, I'll take him. If he said, Dad, I want to go and play golf after, I'll take him. You know and that's what you do as a dad. You just sacrifice your life for them. You know and I'll just do, you know, let him as long as he enjoys it. As long as he gives me you know hundred percent effort yeah. and look, I don't want to take him somewhere he don't want to be because that's no that's no fun for anyone is it now if you're taking your kid to the football and he doesn't like it and after it doesn't it's not the right thing take him somewhere else let him do something else that he does like mm. so no, I'm I'm hoping I, I've got to be honest you know I'm hoping I've got another 16 17 years on the on the sidelines watching him play whatever sport he wants because I because it mean I love it you know Frida's sporty she wants him to you know, she would just want him to be the best that he can be. And that's the, whatever that is, if he's academic, sporty, just as long as he's happy, I'll be happy. No, that's really good. Brilliant. No, well, thank you so much, Jamie. Yes. Really Pleasure appreciate your time. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be so beneficial for parents to hear that. For sure. Yeah. Right, thank you for having me. It's been too long. We're waiting for it. But, we're <laughs> there. No, but keep up your good work as well, because I admire what you guys do. And I know how well you work with the kids. And, you know, if any parents out there that want to get to, you know, looked after and trained in the right way, good habits, upbringing, habits is an important thing. I think that's one thing that's come across in this yeah. chat. Yeah. You know, and you guys, I've always been thankful to the way that you are with, you know, with Bo. And, and I think it's so important to find the, you know, the, the right coaches for your kids. That's, that's, an, that's the best start, you know. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can form a team for Raphael in like five years' time. And yeah, he's ready. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's only three weeks. Just, I, just, I, just, I mean, I don't want to be a footballer, but he's outside doing a few runs. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.